Well, hello and welcome to Love vs. Hate. My name is Anne, and I'm your old-fashioned nerd. And I'm Emily, your mainstream millennial. And on this podcast, Emily and I like to debate and argue about the things in life that we love and hate. And I would like to debate and argue about how you started this episode. It was not normal, Anne. Every time I don't start it normally, you make some kind of comment about it. Yeah, because it's weird and okay. unsettling. I guess I have to do it you the just same set, every you single time. You just set time. the tone for the rest of this episode. With my hello. Yeah, how dare you? I try you? to make it different because otherwise it's the same thing over and over and over. I'm trying to make it's it It's a trademark intro, you know? When you watch a TV show, they well, don't change up the intro. Then why don't we just have the same recording and not... Because, uh, uh, spoiler alert for all our listeners, every single episode we like redo the intro. We don't just yeah. take a recording and then... We aren't lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wonder if... Because it'd be hard to, like, just jump in without something to Yeah, somebody, going. actually, somebody did ask me if we actually said our intro every time, and I'm like, yes. Yes. But I, I guess I say it so similarly that the small, yeah. subtle differences I make. Anyway, okay, we're moving on. We're moving on. This because episode isn't about that. It's not. It's about something I love, and I'm so excited to talk about it. And technically, we've already talked about it on the podcast, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth, and we're talking about D&D. Dungeons and Dragons. I literally had to text Anne because I was making a social post about our episode and I was like, Anne, is D&D D-N-D or D-and-D? <laughs> it's technically D-and-D, but if you're like typing it up fast or like if you were to Google D-N-D, it, they're kind of interchangeable. It still shows up, yeah. Google told me that they're both correct, but the D and yeah, it's officially D and D. Yeah, what's the name for that symbol? The and symbol. The and sign. Is that no? It's got a name. <laughs> it's like Antropolis. You just made that up. <laughs> I had to think about it. I'm like, yeah, she made that up. Anyway, I made it believable though. <laughs> she believed me for a second. Yes, a millisecond, and then I was like, Tropolis. It's like a city. Yes, Antropolis. It's and city. <gasps> Let's go Wow. There. Okay, once again, we are not talking about Antropolis. Oh, we're talking today. about D&D, and I'm so excited. Like I said, we did go over kind of this general topic in a previous episode, and we actually played with one of our friends, yeah. Dutch Marigold. Shout out to you, Quincy. Um, and But this episode, I kind of want to go a little bit more in depth into kind of the history and pop culture and why it's so popular today. Can't wait, because we all know how much I love history. Yeah, not not quite your thing. But you've enjoyed when we've played D&D. You've enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. Have I played it outside of those times? Once. Once, with also the same people, right? Yeah, it was you, me, and Quincy again. Yeah, oh, yeah okay. And it was, a, it was epic. It was so good. I love how I had to ask. I was like, who did I play with? We know your memory's not the best. But it was just a quick shout out. It was so epic, because Quincy, like, looped it. And it was, it was epic. It was so fun. Anyway. Okay, so D&D. I just, the main reason I wanted to talk about it is A, I am obsessed, of course, but also it's become really popular. Like it's just, it's definitely taken off, especially in the last kind of decade, um, but really just kind of more so today. And I think part of that is a little bit with the pandemic. I think people, I mean, people everywhere started looking for new hobbies. And I know for me, that's kind of when I started. It was like kind of right before the pandemic, I started playing. And so it just kind of I think that was part of one of the reasons why it's gotten popular. But even before that, it's been popular. So let's kind of dive into it a little bit. You ready to learn? Can't wait. I know. 
So, D&D was first created by Gary Gygax in 1977. What a um, name. I know. Isn't that just like, <laughs> it's memorable. Maybe Emily will actually remember it. Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax. Ask me at the end of the episode. See if I remember. Oh, good idea. Okay, I'll, I will. Oh, great. Let me say it one more time. Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax. I'll mention his name a couple more times here oh, okay. in this, this history. Okay. Uh, so he launched Dungeons & Dragons specifically with the advanced Dungeons & Dragons. That was like the first sort of official book. And he was a game creator. He had created war games with like miniatures. And so he was sort of in this realm of role play and sort of maps and miniatures. So he already was miniatures. Miniatures are like small figurines. Oh, so it's like actually in person. It's not yeah, a computer they're game. They're physical. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. And so he was always kind of interested in that style of game. And so it kind of naturally, he ended up coming up with a game called Chainmail. I've never played it. It's more, again, it's more of a war game where you have like maps um, and you play like literally you map you. It's kind of like Risk, but on a much grander scale where you actually have armies that you're like moving around and you fight and battle. Mm. I've never played those kind of games, but I've heard uh, stories. So Okay. So anyway, so uh, he launched D&D, and also, fun fact, he lived in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. <gasps> famous. Super famous. You can actually, we should go, Emily, because you can actually go to his house. They've turned it into a museum. And we literally went to Lake Geneva together. I know, and we didn't go see his house, so we gotta go again, and we gotta go check out his house. All right, all in favor of uh, Lovers Is Hate podcast, field trip. Hi. Okay, we're going. Yay! <laughs> we'll take pictures. <laughs> We'll vlog it. We'll vlog it. Uh, And so, like I said, he launched the game in 1977. Um, He ended up also founding TSR, which was his own gaming company, um, which was eventually, in 1997, so many years later, uh, bought by Wizards of the Coast. And so Wizards of the Coast is who owns D&D now. And so you'll probably hear that name if you do any kind of Googling. Wizards of the Coast is like they are in charge of D&D now. Okay. And so that's kind of the, the general history. I mean, it lives, D&D has like its own realm called the Forgotten Realms. And so when you play D&D, if you're playing like traditional classic, you're playing in the Forgotten Realms. And that was actually something that, again, Gary sort of helped establish and help build. And Wizards of the Coast has only expanded like just a ton upon it. Um, and it's really, it's, there is so much history in Forgotten Realms. Like they have literally spent decades developing this world and there's a lot of different rules there's a lot of different history lore it's honestly like you could they have novels that are just these adventures that happen in the forgotten realms and so if you wanted to just learn about the world like you don't even have to play the game and you could just kind of dive into the lore of it which i think is kind of unique and fun too Mm -hmm. and so there was a time obviously people probably know where kind of in the 80s Right when the game was first sort of launching, there were a lot of people that thought it was bad, that it was like witchcraft, that it was negative and, you know, causing kids to like, you know, cast these weird spells. And like, it's just there was all this like negativity around it. And I always feel kind of bad because it got a bad rap, like kind of early. Yeah. Um, And so but interestingly, even though like broadly speaking, it had a bad rap, there were still a lot of people playing it. Because they, the people who played it knew that it wasn't what people claimed it was. And mm-hmm. so it kind of had this weird, like, underground where people would play it sort of, like, 
if you were playing D&D, you were such a mega nerd that you wouldn't tell a single soul. So I kind of had this weird, like, a bunch of people were playing it, but nobody knew about it and nobody mm. would say. And so it's kind of this weird kind of underground game that was yeah. like happening. And so I think, you know, just kind of ha- going and doing this research, to me, what's one of the things that really sort of helped D&D, honestly, was kind of people forgot about it. Like in the 70s, 80s, 90s, it was seen as such this kind of negative thing. But kind of in the early 2000s, it kind of just got forgotten about a little bit. And that's right when Wizards of the Coast kind of took over. And they took time to sort of make new versions of the game. And so they came out with in early 2000, like right when they um, procured the game, they came out with third edition. And once third edition came out, they eventually, only a few years later, that was in 2000, 2007, 2008, they launched fourth edition. And then by 2014, they launched fifth edition. And really, when they launched fifth edition, they were very intentional about how do we take this kind of complex, kind of, you know, um, very involved game and how do we bring new players on? Like, how do we simplify this? And so with the launch of fifth edition, I think that was one of the biggest pushes that really just launched the game and really helped get people into it. And what's made it so popular now is is their change with fifth edition. They just made they made the rules a little bit more simpler. They added some interesting spells and some interesting actions that you can do that just makes the game a little bit more exciting and just a little bit more accessible to new players. And interestingly, right around this same time, they launch fifth edition, and then another really big thing happens. Critical Role, which I've heard of. Have you heard of? Good job, Emily. What's Critical Role? I think it's like a group of people that just Uh started playing and they recorded it. Yeah. And then they uploaded it to YouTube. Or is it just a podcast? I don't know. So pretty good, Emily. Knowing your memory. And Gary Gygax. (gasps) Good job. (laughs) So proud. Had to say it one more time so I didn't forget it. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see by the end. Uh, Critical Role. So Critical Role is a D&D like streaming. They started on like they, they launch on Twitch. They're on YouTube as well. But they're like they have their own animated series now. They have a lot of charities that they support. Oh. They have a podcast. They're like a their own. Wait, is Critical Role the one that was like, oh, we need to They start did their this- kickstart. Yes. The thing that I got so mad about yeah, because I, I was like, why? why do they need this money? That is ridiculous. Think of how many people could be fed. <laughs> literally, they like literally every single episode you watch their live. And one of the, like during their announcements, they're talking about the different charities that they have going on. They help so many people. They anyway, we won't get into it. But it's yes, fine. they launched a Kickstarter. I think to this day, it's still the largest they uh, got over $11 million to put together this animated series, which is out on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend. You can go watch it right now. Also, sorry if you can hear like a buzzing noise in the background. I think somebody's mowing their lawn outside. How rude of them. <laughs> How rude. We're recording a podcast. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, Critical Role. They launched in 2015 and they just, they're a group of voice actors and they're all just really good friends. They've been friends for a long time. And actually, it's kind of funny. They they all sort of knew each other just being kind of in the voice acting business, but they weren't necessarily friends. Um, but one day for one of their birthdays, for Liam's birthday, 
they're like, hey, you play D&D, like, you know, and Matt was known for being a dungeon master. And he was like, hey, would you put together a game for my friends and for, like, my birthday? And so they kind of all came together, and then that's history. And then they never stopped. (laughs) They never, literally, they never stopped. They had such a blast playing with each other, and now they literally do it for a living. And it's just like, I I wish. That would be my dream job, is to, like, play D&D for a living. Um, But anyway, so... Critical Role launched. Um, they actually, too, they, they started their campaign in Pathfinder, but ended up switching to 5th edition. So again, like, 5th edition is kind of, we're hearing about it. Critical Role is playing in 5th edition. And again, it's like, I think it's getting people excited to kind of like try this out. And when, for me, like, I watched Critical Role before I ever played the game. And you do get a good sense of, oh, this is kind of how it goes. Okay. And you kind of get a sense, because it, it can feel daunting when you first start. So actually seeing other people play you kind of get a sense of it and you kind of get motivation to give it a try my question is like a lot of D is like up to the player's imagination and also i know just from your what you've told me about being a dungeon master is you get to make the world you're creating your own maps you're creating rules if or you whatever want. yeah you can homebrew that's what oh I do. okay okay so if you homebrew are you not like are you not playing whatever, what's the new season In five or whatever? Fifth edition. Fifth edition. <laughs> well, so the interesting thing about how Dungeons and Dragons, and really any role-playing game, so fifth edition, they just, it's basically new rules. It made, They incorporate new spells, like they add basically to the game. But really, at its core, if you're playing like the traditional Dungeons and Dragons, you're in the Forgotten Realms. That's their world. You're playing as like wizards and sorcerers, and you're playing in this fantasy world of the Forgotten Realms. But you do not have to. So, in all the ones that we did, I wasn't playing in the Forgotten no. Realm. Not, not probably not. No, we were playing like the the one we did that we did not record. We were playing like in modern times. Yeah, um, and that is very encouraged. Like you basically, you just kind of take the rules of D anD D, you take the rules of Fifth Edition, and you apply it to whatever world you want to create. Um, and so you don't, you do not have to play in Forgotten Realms okay. at all. It, but you absolutely can if you want to, because like I said, there's a lot of history are kind of ready built in and there's a lot of maps and there's campaigns that are already pre-made that you can just play through. So if you want kind of something to ease you into it a little bit and you don't want to have to do too much of your own writing, there's tons of resources mm. online and books to where you don't, you literally just kind of play it out. Okay. Which I do recommend. Um, for me though, one of the joys that I've always loved about the game is writing my own world and coming up with my own storylines and coming up with my own, like I've really enjoyed the homebrew process. So for me as a DM, that's the way I actually prefer to play. I like doing it my way. Yeah. When I used to work with Anne, she would like every week be like, oh, you want to see my map? Look at yeah. this map I made. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you spend your free time on that. Yes. <laughs> you want to hear how I almost t- um, total party killed my players? Almost. Didn't Does quite. One mean- of them made oh, it. okay. Yeah, I know TPK. What that Yeah, TPK. Total party kill. Oh, yeah. To- total party kill? TPK? Yeah, that's what that means. Yeah. I, oh, it almost happened. I almost killed all of my players except one. One survived. <laughs> it was it was honestly one of my like favorite moments playing because it was so epic. Um, but yeah, so Critical Role, huge influence. Uh, also, The Adventure Zone, which is a podcast that the McElroy brothers do. And we know oh, how much I love the McElroy. The McElroys. Oh. I haven't heard about them in quite some time. <sighs> it's McElroy. 
That's one of Emily's little bits that she likes to do. It makes me mad. Uh, but the Adventure Zone, interestingly, is actually how I got into D&D. So uh, my brother, I've always known of it. My brother's told me some of it, and I knew that he liked Critical Role, and I had heard of it, but I just had never really gotten into it. And I was Christmas shopping for my brother, and I saw a graphic novel, and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like a D&D. Because on the cover, there's like a, you know, a D20, a 20-sided dice. And I'm like, this looks like a D&D thing. And I like read the cover and I read like the back. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a podcast that they turned into a graphic novel. This is so cool. I bet my brother would love this. So I bought it for him for Christmas, ended up reading it myself. <laughs> I did give it to him as a present as well. But <laughs> read it myself first. And then I got hooked and I listened to the podcast. And I, that's how I got into D&D. And I just, I The obsessed. rest is history. The rest is history. So the Adventure Zone, again, they, they came out in 2014, so even a little bit before Critical Role, but they were just a podcast, so it was a little bit different. And they play the game a little bit differently because it's, it's podcast format, so they, they're a little more loose with the rules. Um, but so good. Highly recommend listening to the balance arc. I cried at the end. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful story. Oh, it's so good. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> also, Dimension 20. <laughs> is that a Critical Role thing that you listen to? Or what it was is the it called? Adventure Zone. Adventure Zone. Okay, got it. I've also cried watching Critical Role. Wow. I have a lot of emotions when I'm watching these things. <laughs> also, like Dimension she might 20. cry now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wiping tears as we speak. Also, Dimension 20, which is also very popular with Brennan Lee Mulligan, he's, there's kind of like a set of like DMs that you want to watch. And Brennan Lee Mulligan is definitely one of them. He's hilarious. He always comes up with fantastic characters. He's really good at improv. Like, he's one of the best, for sure. Matthew Mercer and Brennan Lee Mulligan, like, they are my top two, like, favorite DMs. They're so good. Are they um, in something specific? So he actually... So Dimension 20 is what Brennan Lee Mulligan runs. So that's, like, his own... It's not as popular as Critical Role, and it came later. It was in 2018. Uh, so it's a little bit more new. And it's actually, weirdly, produced by College Humor, which I, it always surprises me for some reason. I'm like, what's College Humor doing with, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing, but whatever. I don't even know what you're talking about. You're speaking a different language okay. to me right now. That's fine. So hopefully some of our listeners are keeping up with me. I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe this will be like one of those episodes where all the millennials are like, never listen to this one. It's so boring. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, but I want you to learn. But it's how to fun. <laughs> well, then tell us where where you find where do you find these things to listen to? Like, I have no idea what college humor is. Is that a channel? YouTube. Like, oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mention twenty. YouTube. I'm like, is it a Twitch thing? Is it a podcast? <laughs> I mean, all of them you can find on podcast form, um, but specifically, the Adventure Zone is only a podcast. But okay. then Critical Role and Dimension Twenty you can find on YouTube. I don't think Dimension Twenty does Twitch. Or like live stream. I think they're only YouTube, but Critical Role live streams every Thursday. It's Thursday night. Oh my gosh. Critters come join wow. Us. How could you watch? The it's literally night. Thursday night right now. Are you missing them right now? Oh no, they start later. They don't start until like 9 p.m. my time. I usually, if I'm, oh, this is like my schedule. Okay, okay. I know. Okay. Last time we recorded on a Thursday, Anne was like, I have to leave at this time. I was like, that's <laughs> that's so a funny. random specific time. I gotta now I know. Other, we're in campaign three and it's been so good. I'm gonna make her stay until no. nine fifteen. <laughs> well, I'll just watch the release on Monday. I usually I can't make it like usually fall through. So what I usually do is they always do like a ten minute break because they're like four hours. Like it's a four hour stream usually. Sometimes it's longer than that. 
So I'll usually watch like up until about 11 and then they take a break and then they'll come back. So I usually watch up until the break and then I go to bed and then on Monday I finish the episode like once they release the... We love a girl who knows her schedule. <laughs> yes. I have to. Otherwise, because if you fall behind, it's hard to get back like yeah. caught up because they're four hour episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But the nice thing is when you're not watching live is you can double time it. Yeah. So then it doesn't take We long. love. <laughs> we love. But there is something fun about watching it live and knowing, like, oh my gosh, like, that just happened. Anyway. <laughs> so, why, you know, that's kind of the history, and I'm talking a little bit about, you know, like, Critical Role, Adventure Zone. Like, that's, I think, part of why it's gotten popular. But I think what really launched it into sort of that mainstream is... Dun, dun, dun. All the references in pop culture. Because there are so many, and they just keep growing. Yeah. I mean, the earliest, one of the earliest references is actually in E.T. There's a scene where you can see Elliot and his brother and his friends are playing in kind of the background. Um, also, of course, Pixar's Onward, that just came out recently, but that was like a full length movie. It was literally just D&D. Like it was, they didn't name it that. Really? It had another name. Have you seen Onward? Pixar's yeah. Onward? <laughs> it's, it's I guess I... It's a campaign. It's, they have a quest and they talk oh, about, remember yeah, yeah, the yeah, brother? Yeah. He's like, Guinevere. And like, it's literally D&D. It's fantasy D&D. And okay. it's amazing. And I was so happy to see it because I was like, yes. On, also, it was the last movie I saw before the pandemic. It's the <gasps> last movie I saw in theaters for like a year and a half. Wow. So good. Never forget. Of course, TV shows. There's references everywhere. Community. There's a whole episode, and it's one of their best, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, where the entire episode is them playing a game of D&D. So good. Uh, Freaks and Geeks. James Franco. Ooh. You know him. He uh, he plays a character in Freaks and Geeks uh, called Daniel, and he's, like, one of the cool kids, right? Like, he's one of the mega cool kids. But he kind of gets stuck with, like, the geeks in the AV club for a night, and they want to play D&D. And he's like, well, just I'll try it. Like, just let me try it. And they're like, you're going to hate it. And they're like, no, let me try it. So he ends up playing, and, of course, he falls in love with it, and it's really funny. That sounds like a fun episode. It's actually. really funny. It's, it's so great, because by the end, he, there's, like, a moment where he's like, wait. I'm a dwarf, so I'm small. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, I could fit through that. Thing. And like, he's a problem. And they're all like, oh, yeah. Oh my God. And like, he gets so into it and it's great. Um, obviously like shows like The Simpsons, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Gravity Falls, The IT Crowd, The Big Bang Theory. Like there's a moment where Will Wheaton comes on and he invites like the Big Bang crowd to come and play. And Will Wheaton is a huge D&D guy. I mean, everything about Will Wheaton I love. He's like one of my favorite people. Um, and of course... The big one that I haven't named yet. Riverdale. No. I knew you were going to say Stranger Things, but I wanted to (laughs) say Riverdale also. Stranger Things. So season one came out in July of 2016. And keep in mind, again, fifth edition, uh, it kind of got broad released in 2014. They started sort of developing it like early in kind of like 2012, 2014. Um, And... We've got Critical Role in 2015, The Adventure Zone in 2014. So, like, kind of these early teens, it's starting to kind of kick off a little bit. And then Stranger Things hits in 2016. And people just go crazy. I mean, it's a phenomenal show. It's one of my favorites. It's really good. And it kind of hits that mainstream. And the show, not only in the opening scene are they, like, playing Dungeons & Dragons, but then even the whole kind of context of their world gets described through a D&D lens. Because even Dustin, like, when they're trying to describe, like, what they're experiencing, he's like, it's just like the Demigorgon in our game. Like, or it's to, like the Upside Down. Like, they end up describing their own world in D&D terms. 
And so the whole show is really inspired by Dungeons and Dragons and I love it. Um, and so that really, when Stranger Things kind of came out, I think that was kind of the last sort of tipping block for the game to really start taking off and get popular. Because more recently, in Marvel shows like Loki, there's uh, a LARP scene where, and LARP is a little bit different from D&D, but it's basically taking that concept of let's have a party, let's go out and, you know, do quests and conquer missions and have, you know, do battles and stuff like that and taking it and applying it to live action. So live action role play is what LARP is. Um, and so there's a scene in Loki where like he goes back in time and he ends up at this LARP event in Wisconsin <laughs> and he has to like find himself. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Wisconsin. I got so excited. Whenever th- as something is in Wisconsin, yeah. I just get excited because that's where Emily and I live. Anyway, because <laughs> that wasn't clear. We just really like Wisconsin. We're actually from Texas. This though. <laughs> Wisconsin's cool, I guess. Anyway, uh, so... And then, of course, if you've watched Hawkeye, like, they, there's a, he makes friends with people who LARP, and they are literally in multiple episodes, and, like, in one of the last episodes, like, they're kind of the heroes, because they have to, they're trying to, like, control this crowd, and then they're like, we can't do it without our costumes and our gear, and so they go out, and they, like, get their gear on, and then they can, like, you know, control the crowd, and it's, like, this awesome moment, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is, like, it's literally, like, they're highlighting it in Marvel, Uh, And so it's just, it's becoming very popular. Uh, There's also, if you didn't know, Emily, there's a movie that is coming out in 2023. What? Called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And it's starring like Chris Pine, like it's a big name. Chris Pine? Chris Pine. The Princess Diaries 2? The Royal Engagement? Yeah. I don't know if that's what it's called. I think it is. I think it is that. (laughs) Um, but Michelle Rodriguez, um, Simon from Bridgerton is in it, um, Hugh Grant, like big names are going to be in this movie. And I will say, I'm calling it now, I have mixed feelings about this because <laughs> I really want it to be good, but I have a feeling it might be bad. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I have, I, I don't know. I just, I have to see it before I can make any kind of call, but I'm like nervous because I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be good or not. So is it like... Like you're actually in the world or is it just people you're watching people play? No, it's taking place in the world. Like Chris in Pine. In the Forgotten is, Realm yes, or whatever. Yes. So it's in the Forgotten Realms world. Chris Pine is literally playing a bard and like that's their roles. Like if you look up on IMDb for the movie, it's like Chris Pine, the bard, Michelle Rodriguez, the barbarian. Like they literally are playing like the druid, the rogue. Oh. They're playing those roles. So Wow. That'll be interesting. I know. I don't know how I feel about it, but we'll see. No trailers yet? No, there's a trailer. You can oh, go watch is? the trailer. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, we can watch it after yeah, this. Yeah, I want to watch what you it. Think. I think it looks, I, I think it could be good. I have hope. But like I said, I'm like not, I have hope, but I'm not getting my hopes up. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> she has some hope, but not a lot. But not a lot. Uh, so anyway, it's just, it's taken off. It's becoming, honestly, it's like, kind of becoming a mainstream thing so like you could call me a mainstream nerd you see i think that do you want to be called a mainstream no i don't like it i think the thing here that might make you feel a little better is yes people a lot more people know about dungeons and dragons but the amount of people who've actually played it or are interested in playing it is probably not as much as 
the people you, who know about it. That might, yeah. Because, like, think of all the people who watch Stranger Things. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. Have you met anybody who is who likes Stranger Things, who's not a nerd like you, who has played Dungeons & Dragons? Because the people who I've spoken with at my work have seen Stranger Things, they love Stranger Things, and then I ask them if they play Dungeons & Dragons, and they're like, no, not for me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. It's actually kind of fun. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and that's the thing that I think that is unfortunate, because I do think... While it's certainly changing and while I think you hear more positive things about the game than negative these days, there is still a negative connotation that comes with it. There's still kind of this older generation of people in kind of like their 40s and older who they're like, they hear it and they're like, isn't that the game that's like really bad and like is really does yeah, evil things? Yeah, and I think like, I don't know, I've never, I guess I don't really talk to like older generations about Dungeons and Dragons, but like. Even just the younger, or not younger, our generation. I don't know, are we young <laughs> still? Yeah. Relatively, it depends on who you're asking. Um, the negative connotation is that it's nerdy. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, nerdy is, is honestly becoming yeah. more of a mainstream thing. It is. Yeah, but I think more so in terms of, like, the things that you can watch. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Like, it's so much easier to just watch Stranger watch Things than, than to, like... Play play stranger or to play D for four hours it is a long game yeah it takes a lot it takes a lot but honestly it's... i would know <laughs> you have played i only played for one hour <laughs> well you played the second time we played i think it was like three wow it yeah it, time really flies though when you're playing you it. don't notice it i know yeah it, and i can't you know i i am a huge advocate for the game i would highly recommend it to anyone of any age i even played it once with a six and seven year old and it was great and we played for two hours and like you can't keep a six and seven year old's attention for more than an hour and we played for two and i had to put them to bed and i was like we have to stop because you have to go to bed and they're like no we want to keep playing just a little bit more please and i was like no it's your bedtime um but like that just goes to show like it's it's a very engaging game yeah. you once you get invested you're you're in it and you're you don't, like you said you don't really notice the time going by and you're you're problem solving you're creative thinking you're improving there's so much like kind of fun that happens that you just don't get in any other game mm-hmm. um and it's just you you're, you're, it's a whole new experience too because you don't have any kind of limit really. Like it's just the door of possibilities is so vast that that's one of the things I love about it because like I will sit down with my players and in my mind I'm like okay I have this session sort of planned. I have kind of this thing of how I kind of expect these things to go. Maybe they'll go in this direction. Like I kind of have a set a little bit in my mind. It never goes that way. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> my players bring such interesting twists and turns and that I just can't anticipate. And it, that's what makes it so much more fun because they just get into all these shenanigans. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what, where, what, how did this come into being? And like you just there's so much laughter and like camaraderie and friendship. And it's just you're, you're creating this story together and it just makes it so fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. I like it a lot. It can be a challenging game for sure. And it's certainly, you need the right group of people. Like you can get into situations where it's not fun if you're not with the right group of people. Or sometimes there's different ways you can play the game. For me, I am much more driven by the narrative and the story. Like my games are usually kind of 60% more story driven and only like 40% more battle and like kind of fight. 
So, like, we usually will probably do maybe two sessions that are more story and then have, like, a battle scene, mm. you know. Um, or sometimes we might even have, like, three to four sessions that are kind of story-heavy and then a battle. So I tend to be more story-driven, where I know for some players, like, they're in it for the dungeon crawl. <laughs> like, they want to go in and kind of, like, optimize their characters and go into the dungeon and kind of, like, okay, can I conquer this, you know, with my skills? And they like that challenge of it. So you need to know what kind of game you're getting into, and so that you know if that's going to be a game that you like want to participate in. Mm-hmm. And you also need to know the kind of players. and Because, again, players sometimes have different agendas. Like, I've played with people who really are just in it for the battle. And, like, they work really hard to get, like, the best gear and the best weapons. And they want to, like, optimize their characters so that they're the most powerful. And they're not necessarily into the story as much. So I'm like, okay... Like, I probably wouldn't play with you necessarily as much. Maybe for, like, a one-shot or something, but probably not a campaign because we just have different kind of goals that we're looking for within the game. Yeah. But the game allows for that. Like, you can choose, which is one of the things I love. Yeah. Or there's even people, like, they're in it and, like, they want to build an empire. They're like, okay, I want to get into this and, like, I want to build up a town and then make it into a city. And, like, you know, they kind of have these sort of goals in mind. And, like, so you can design a game kind of around that where, like, maybe you're just kind of you know, gathering assets to then build up a ship or a town or a mansion or, you know, like there's so many different ways you can play the game. Nice. So, Emily, to wrap us up, what is your life lesson about Dungeons and Dragons? There's so many. My life lesson is get a small group of people together and hopefully you know somebody who already knows how to play so that you can... They can help guide you through you, your first time playing. That helps a lot. It helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, because the first time I played, I was like, what's going on? Like, it, it was fun, confusing. but like, yeah, I was yeah. like, what does this number mean? What, what, what? <laughs> what? Um, but well, I'm adding fun. what number to what? But also just like, I would just start with the one shot just to get, dip your foot in the water, get a little wet. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> that was weird. I wasn't going to stay in here, but you pointed it out, that was weird. And also to just, like, give it a try. If you've never played, don't just be like, ew, it's nerdy, gross. Yeah, because that's exactly how you were going to (laughs) react. Gross. (laughs) I call that my wavy voice effect. Um, And just try it. Give it a shot. Give it a one shot, you know? Ah, Uh, ah, See what I did there? I saw what Um, you did there. You're so good. Yeah, and I would basically kind of echo that and just kind of say – If you are trying the game for the first time and maybe you have a group of friends and none of you have played before, there are a lot of rules and you can feel overwhelmed by them. You don't have to do all of them. Like you can simplify the game. There's a lot like look online. Literally, like when I played with the six and seven year old, I majorly (laughs) simplified the game. Uh, in order to make it, you know, digestible for them. Because if I were to play it traditionally, we would we would have never gotten anywhere. So, like, find a version that maybe is a little easier for you to kind of start with. Like, don't feel like you have to know everything. When I first started running a game, I did not know all the rules. And sometimes things came up and I was like, you know what? Sorry, guys, I don't really know how this is, works, but we're going to do this. And my players were like, okay. Like, you just kind of have to accept at times that you might not know the exact rules, but trust your dungeon master and just whatever they decide kind of move forward with that. So don't let the rules and like the books, like sometimes it's like, I need to read that entire book in order to play. No, you don't need to. There's like, there's tons of YouTube videos that can help you get started that simplify it for you. Just don't get bogged down in the rules. It's okay. You can listen to our 
past Dungeons and Dragons episode to hear us play. It's my yeah. first time playing, so you can get like an inside look at how one shot can be set up. Exactly, because yeah, when we put that, t- when Quincy put that together, he like sim- again simplified the rules, and it was super fun. You don't have to get deep into the rules. So that's one thing I recommend. And then kind of as my like sort of caveat to that and like second sort of life lesson, when you play, the first time you play, no matter what, you're going to get to this wall where you're going to have this moment where you're like, this is silly. <laughs> like this feels weird. This is silly. I'm being silly. What is, and it's a weird feeling. It's new. And you can either kind of be like, you know what? That's okay. I don't care. Like this is fun. And you can kind of dive into it and you, you just kind of accept and you, you go into the silliness mode and you just have a good time. Or you can say, nope, I'm out. Like this is just too much for me. And this is weird. And that's okay. And no matter which decision you make, it's totally fine. But I would just encourage you, like when you get to that moment, like try and just kind of dig a little bit deeper. Cause if you do choose, if you just choose to be silly, everyone else is going to be silly with you. And that's where the fun really lies is when you just like accept that this is silly and kind of weird. That's where it gets really fun. Yeah. So before I leave you, that was our life lessons. But before we go, Emily. Gary Gygax. Yay! <laughs> I was waiting. I said it in my head a couple times throughout the episode. I'm so proud of you.